The 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. That's a new approach, just yelling, just yelling. David! Yeah, David Cantu is the winner of our bracket challenge contest. He won $2,000 wow. from the Vegas Warriors and Red Chimp Creative Media. David! You're the winner, David Cantu. David, You're right. I think the vowel at the end does work better, right? Yeah. Sorry, Sorry. There you go. Let's get into the football frenzy. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier uh, that I was I was very <laughs> I was very fired up to be out at UNLV practice. I've been out there uh, a time or two before this, and we've got media availability. So a bunch of the TV people showed up. Uh, your guy Gramala was there. Um, it was, it was a good time. It was just like, there's like a vibe, you know, like football. We just ended the NFL season a little while ago. We got the draft coming up, but college football has been gone for a while and UNLV did not have a season that they wanted to have. So it's kind of like, all right, let's get going here. So they're going to practice, uh, every other day, basically up until May 1st. And, you know, they're trying to get a lot of questions answered. Well, one of the standard bears has been around forever. Adam is Charles Williams. You know, he's a super senior. He elected to come back, which I think is really cool. But he's a little bit older. And, you know, for certain players playing college football at 22, 23 years old, life is beginning. And I don't know if you saw Chuck's Twitter uh, the other day, but he just had a kid. He just had a little baby, right? So that's very cool. So I was talking to him, and the rest of the media was there as well. And I mentioned, hey, you know, big life event. I have a daughter now. Her name is Kamaya. Uh, She was 6 pounds, 6 ounces, 20 inches. Got my dad's height. I got my mom's height, as you can see. Um, it's a great experience, you know, just watching her come into the world. It was, I was speechless. I couldn't even say anything. And then when the nurses grabbed there and they already got the dad instincts, I'm like, what you doing? Like, that's a little too rough. Come on now. But, you know, she's at home right now. She's just growing and she makes me happy every day I come home. I'm just glad I, I got her in my life now. Does everything feel different now in terms of, I know it's only been a couple of days, but like processing, like, hey, it's go time now. You know, I'm a parent, you know, I got to be an adult. Uh, it's more motivation for me. I got to get stuff done. Got to get the job done. And getting the job done is getting wins and, you know, making it to the next level. That's my goal right now. What are the differences and the similarities between holding onto the football and holding a baby? <laughs> Basically, the same. Don't drop it. You drop it, that's your ass. Well, don't drop her and don't drop the football. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. I'm all like, I'm all fired up. I'm like, life's begun. You're an adult. Responsibility. Get it together. And then Mike Romala jumps in. He's like, hey, what's the difference between holding a football and a baby? Like, don't drop it. First of it's, all, it, I, as Chuck said, it's your ass in either case. Yes. I feel like it would, that would, <laughs> Gramala would be worried. Gramala would be actually worried about dropping the baby. Adam, Adam, can I tell you? We walk out of practice with Mike Romala from the Las Vegas Sun, who's one of the quirkiest dudes we've ever met like really unique. We talk all the time about his, his very bland food diet. And now he's played into it by uh, posting his, uh, his culinary talents on Twitter, which uh, that doesn't always go well, but I think he knows what's going to happen. He says to me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know if I'm ready to be an adult. Like essentially he wanted to have a conversation with me about having a kid. And I'm like, dude, I do whatever you want. And then I and then I threw out the line because I'm like I I'm not this is not a conversation I'm having about children. Then I threw out the line that everyone throws out. Well, you'll you'll know when it's time. Oh, stop it! 
And then I thought to myself, I'm like, eh, why did I say that? Why did I, I say that? Okay, by the way, congrats to uh, Charles Williams. Yes. Healthy baby girl. And uh, as he apparently was mocking on his father for the uh, the height, the shortness of the child. It's, it's, uh, first of all, the, the baby already runs like a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, that's probably obvious, uh, being his kid. Can I – it's football frenzy, so can, can I stay on the baby topic but change sports real quick or no? Sure, but we got to have a transition. Okay. That's, now you might have not be, Might not be the most appropriate. Um, I, as you know, just before the show, I was, uh, I was over getting tested, as I do every Tuesday uh, yes. before the show. Most tested man in the history of sports media. So, so I got to experience – because the person I was testing with had a newborn baby. So I got to experience the fathering skills of one Mike Perry. Oh, come on. Can you, he's a UFC fighter who is completely unhinged. Can you hold this, please, until 4 30? Okay. You can't bring it up now. He just, he just punched we an just, old man. We just talked about a kid. We just, he just punched an old man in the head at a bar like six months ago. He's a lunatic. He's got like racist behavior in his past. And you want to tell me a story about him with his newborn in like a minute before we get to Miles Simmons? Come on. So save it. 4.30, tease board. We're going to get to it. Up next, though, we'll ask Miles Simmons all about the NASCAR of the NFL. We're going to talk babies with him, too. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get to the world of uh, the National Football League. And Miles Simmons, nice enough to join us from Pro Football Talk. He joined us on Tuesdays. Adam Cofield here in Vegas. Miles, how you doing? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, I'm just okay. I'm just okay. I know you don't want an right. honest answer. I'm just okay. I um, well, no, I, honestly, in- I do. See, it's what's yeah. interesting is you know when I do PFTPM with Florio, he asked me that, and he really doesn't want a sincere answer, and he's told me that. But when I ask, I actually do. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear you're just doing okay. I hope I can make it better over the next 15 minutes or so. I think you're just going to mock me, but that's okay. Uh, that'll make me feel <laughs> some- um, I, I like. I'm ready. I'm a Jets fan, so I'm ready to move on from Sam Darnold because I'm going to buy into, hey, uh, let's clear the deck. Let's get things moving forward. They're going to draft a quarterback. You don't need a quarterback controversy. So I'm not really sure how to feel about this one, but I saw that Marcus May – uh, right after Darnold got traded, just sent out the face palm, and I'm not really sure what it means. Like, I kind of like it, but then part of me is like, wait, there's still drama. I mean, okay. If, if it's two, it's like maybe three separate things that we can unpack here. First of all, I'm sorry that you're a Jets fan, man. Like, I no. grew up a Browns fan, so <laughs> I, I sort of feel your pain, but at least, you know, the team I grew up rooting for is now actually a legitimate franchise, whereas yours, <laughs> I don't know. Um, second thing, I, I really think that the deal that the Carolina Panthers um, got for Sam Bradford and the, what the Jets got back for, uh, I said Sam Bradford, didn't I? Sam Darnold uh, was actually a good deal. Because, yeah. look, I think when you're looking at it, everybody knew that the Jets were going to get rid of Sam Darnold eventually because they can't have a guy that was just drafted a couple years ago at number three overall, and a guy that's drafted at number two overall in the same locker room, it's just not going to be good. And I think 
if Joe Douglas, who did not draft Sam Darnold but has inherited him, and really Sam Darnold was arguably the worst starting quarterback in the National Football League last year. He had the lowest passer rating out of 35 qualified passers last year. I can understand from his perspective saying, look, there's Zach Wilson. He's right there out of BYU. We think really highly of him. Let's go and get him, and let's get what we can for Sam Darnold. And when you do that and you're still able to get a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick next year and you also got a sixth-round pick this year for him, I think that that's good. I think that they actually did a pretty good job, all things considered, because when uh, the Cardinals got Kyler Murray a couple of years ago and they traded Josh Rosen, who was also a top-ten pick in that 2018 draft, they got a two-back for him. So if you're getting more than a two, I think you're doing a decent job of that, especially because – we have more tape on Sam Darnold, and we know that Sam Darnold, frankly, has just not played all that well. But then the Marcus May thing, like, I think that that's almost exactly why you had to deal him in Sam yeah. Darnold, because you can't have somebody that the locker room supports who's already been there and a guy that you believe in as the front office now strutting in you know, off the draft and saying, you know, I'm going to be the guy. I am the next franchise quarterback of the New York Jets. You've already had somebody that just said that a couple years ago, and he has the support of the locker room. You just can't have that dynamic. And I think Joe Douglas said it today. It was best for everybody involved that they had uh, Sam Donald traded um, now to the Carolina Panthers. It's an amazing Jet story to follow, and obviously it involves the Panthers because now people are going to track what happens with Zach Wilson and what happens with Sam Donald. And just to remind everyone, the guy who just got Sam Darnold in Matt Rule was up for the Jets job. The Jets said, no, you can't choose your own assistants, and Matt Rule told him to freaking buzz off. So imagine if Matt Rule now turns Sam Darnold into a great quarterback and the Panthers move ahead on the schedule in terms of winning ahead of the Jets because they didn't get Rule and they traded Darnold to Rule. You, you, you sound distressed by this whole thing. I'm, I'm and, already you know, worried. I, <laughs> I can understand it. I, I do understand it. Look, I think there, Matt Rule is an interesting coach to follow because I think that players really started to buy into what he was doing down there in Carolina last year. And it took maybe a couple of weeks. And, but I, I really feel like there's a, a belief in that, in that building that Rule is going to be able to make that program into a consistent winner. However, you also have an owner in David Tepper who is very, very clear that he wants to get the franchise quarterback. And we don't know if that's going to be Sam Darnold or not, but I think what's also very clear is that the Panthers weren't going to be able to get that guy at number eight overall, especially after the 49ers traded up to get to number three overall. And so I think we can all kind of assume that quarterbacks are going to come off the board at one, at two, at three. Uh, the Falcons have made it clear they are open for business at number four overall, and it came out today that, hey, they may sit there at number four, and they may draft a quarterback, but the owner may or may not want that. So that's also part of probably why uh, that they are signaling that they are open for business at number four overall. And if that pick gets traded, and that pick was not ever going to go to the Carolina Panthers in the division, then that's another quarterback that's going to be off the board. So at that point, Carolina's sitting there at number eight saying, man, I don't think we're going to be able to get who we actually want. So that's why they didn't make the deal with the Jets. But, yeah, I think – at this point now, it's almost sort of like uh, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston. You've got two guys in Sam Darnold and also Zach Wilson who are almost inextricably linked now because 
they traded away Sam Darnold, and now you know that uh, the Jets are simply going to pick Zach Wilson there. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys and their careers compare. Uh, we'll also have Sam Darnold linked forever to Adam Gase. And will Sam Darnold make the post-Adam Gase all-star team of guys that have gone on to thrive once getting out from under his thumb? You're, you're, I, I'm surprised you didn't actually just say Ryan Tannehill's name, man. Like, that 2019 <laughs> game uh, that you and I watched uh, with the, the Titans play the Raiders at the Oakland Coliseum, like, that was really impressive. And that's the kind of thing that you saw with Tannehill after he was freed of the Adam Gase shackles, if you will, right, going there to Tennessee. And really, his performance, along with Derrick Henry and running all over the place, got Arthur Smith a coaching job um, down there in Atlanta. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops. But I also don't think that Ryan Tannehill was ever quite as bad as we've seen from Sam Darnold. And here's the thing about Sam Darnold that I think people sometimes underestimate here. I, people say that Sam Darnold's a great quarterback, he's this, he's that. But Sam Darnold had a turnover problem when he was at USC. And that, I, mean, I watched a lot of his games. I was living in L.A. at the time. So I always felt like between the fumbles, the interceptions, there's just a turnover-prone guy, and that doesn't necessarily just go away. You saw the same thing with Jameis Winston when he goes to Tampa Bay. The turnovers didn't really go away, especially when – he has a season where he has 30 touchdowns, throws for over 5,000 yards, but he also throws 30 picks. And so that's why he ends up sitting on the bench in New Orleans instead of becoming somebody else's starting quarterback. So I don't know how successful Sam Darnold's going to be, but I do think he's going at least to a much better situation in Carolina where he's got an offensive coordinator like Joe Brady, where he's got guys like Christian McCaffrey, like Robbie Anderson, who he already has chemistry with, around him got somebody like dj moore now who also went over a thousand yards receiving david moore they just signed from seattle so i, I think it's going to be a better situation for sam donald but i don't think that necessarily means he's all of a sudden going to turn into a pro bowl quarterback even right i, I don't know that that's going to happen we don't really believe the saints think kyle trask can be a franchise quarterback do we no, well, look, I mean, you just mentioned Jameis Winston. I mean, would you rather have Kyle Trask starting for you or Jameis Winston in a system where you think he's going to throw for fewer picks? I mean, I frankly don't think that Taysom Hill is a viable option for 16 games not, or 17 games now. I guess I still have to get uh, my terminology right. I don't think that's a viable option for you for an entire season. That would be the safer thing to say at quarterback, right? I, I just... I think it can get you over the hump for a couple of games, right? We saw that with Teddy Bridgewater even with the Saints a couple of years ago um, when he was there and he was still backing up Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater can be that bridge uh, from your starting quarterback when he gets injured to when he comes back. But I don't think that's a guy you want to see as your full-time starter for 17 games because it's probably not going to lead you to the playoffs. I think at least with Winston, you know, if you can cut the turnovers back, then, yeah, you've got a dude who can really, really throw and make plays for you. Again, threw for over 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns in that 2019 season, but the reason why he didn't get another starting job was because he threw 30 picks. If you can even cut that in half and make it 15, that makes you still a really good and really effective offense. So I know that Sean Payton wants to run a quarterback competition and all that, but I frankly expect that Jameis Winston is going to uh, win that competition, and I don't expect Kyle Trask to be a part of it. 
we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft breakdown, who goes where and who picks who. Uh, but you, you already mentioned you are a Cleveland guy. Uh, is the city excited for the draft? That's a good question. I mean, yes. Uh, and I, I also don't necessarily have the best gauge of it because the two ti- the times that I go outside are mostly to like go to the grocery store. And I asked the last time I really was out out was when I went and got my COVID vaccine uh, a week and a half ago or whatever it was. So nice. I, I get the sense that, yes, the city is excited for it. it it's going to be interesting to have it here, certainly, um, because – this is a, a place that is so close to what is considered the birthplace of football, and Canton is right down the road in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and all that. And it's going to be kind of a shame that you can't probably um, have all the elements of that that you would if we weren't still dealing with COVID. But I think the setting is going to be really nice on the lakefront. I think people are going to really embrace it. I think people are going to really be excited to be outside and kind of be among other people um, for really the first time in a year. So. I think it's going to be a good event. I think that, unfortunately, it's not necessarily going to show off the absolute best of Cleveland because um, of COVID still. But at the same time, I think it should still be a good event. What exactly is the best of Cleveland? Oh, Adam. Adam, don't don't crap on Cleveland, man. Look, there's so many good things to do in Cleveland. And I'll tell you this. Have you ever, I mean, if you've ever seen that episode of 30 Rock, where they go to Cleveland and Liz Lennon is like, my goodness, I can't believe everything is here. That's what it is. Look, you've got three professional sports teams, right? You've got a world-class orchestra. You have a world-class theater district all in the same city. And it's right here on the shores of Lake Erie. You've got a temperate climate. There's a world-class art museum here as well. If you want sports, you want culture, there's not really a better place to be for a small-town feel with big city appeal. Oh, wow. And what we're, not Detroit. <laughs> we're not Detroit. We're not Detroit. We're not Detroit. Wow, you got shots in it at me at the beginning and then Adam at the end. That was beautiful. And then it's that Cleveland tourism video. Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Is that a real that thing? Good. What a, what a yes, beautiful Yes, yes. You got to look this up on YouTube. Look it up Love on YouTube. Uh, Cleveland tourism video. It's, it's not a real tourism video, but it, uh, it's a YouTube video. So more like prehistoric YouTube, but it's up there. All right, Ari. You got an assignment at Cleveland Jingle. Miles, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Take care. There he is. Miles Simmons cover the Raiders uh, with the RJ. He's with Pro Football Talk now, and uh, we talk to him every Tuesday at this time. We're about uh, 20 minutes away from going out to Boston and talking to our buddy Sammy uh, Paniotovich, who covers the world of sports gambling. And I do want an update on where Boston and, and Massachusetts is right now on gambling, because I'm sure there's a lot of old-timers there who are like, uh, man, this sports gambling thing could be the freaking continuing decay of society. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Perzuk was kind of upset that first pitch it was called a strike. Trash can on the field. Guessing that's an inflatable trash can that has been shared on the field. I've ever seen an inflatable trash can. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Oh, yeah. Did everyone forget there were no fans at the games last year outside of, like, the postseason? Apparently, Dusty Baker did. Yeah, the uh, the Astros are back. We didn't forget about the cheating. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, you just went to 
I'm talking to Houston fans and, and Dusty Baker. You just went to one of the most passive markets and fan bases in the country, or you're there, and they're riled up throwing inflatable trash cans, of course, the trash cans being beat upon to help out the cheating scandal for the Astros, and you're shocked? Dusty Baker actually said, I want to get the quote correct here. It's a sad situation for America. <laughs> what? You mean the fans taking justice into their own hands because the organization that hired you, Dusty, and we know one of the reasons they hired you is that you are very familiar as a manager in how to wade through a cheating scandal, almost to the point where you could say, you are an enabler. So you have no guilt about situations like this. So they brought you in because they know you'll be cool with this. But please do not say it's a sad day for America because fans recognize that justice was not served and the Astros were cheaters and may have cheated their way to championship appearances and a world championship. It's not a sad day for America. That organization no. cheated. They never said sorry. They never showed remorse. There's still a price to be paid. Is this the most important issue in our country? No. But it certainly ain't a sad day in America because you're getting razzed because your team violated rules. And by the way, most important part, got caught. Because I'm also not Pollyannish enough, nor is Adam, I don't think, no. to believe like the Astros were the only team doing it because that's always the Astros defense. What about that? You got caught. You got caught. And you. It's the you same have... thing with Arizona basketball. Oh, well, Sean Miller. I mean, he's just doing what everyone keeping up with the Joneses. He got caught. He's on the phone. Well, and they also. Sorry, it's also I, the... I, can't, I can't catch everyone else. They weren't caught. You were caught. You paid no penalty. No. It's also the ill-gotten gains. I mean, the fact that they won from it. Like, yeah, other people might be cheating. You took it to a level that you won from it. So whether or not that's the reason you won, like it's it's a major factor and one that people are going to look at forever. And you know this whole, you know, oh, uh, you know, move on, time to move on. Like no, the fans yeah. didn't get their they didn't get their chance last year. They weren't at the games. Now they are. So you're gonna have to deal with it an entire uh, next season because people didn't get it last year. And by the way, you move on next year when the stands are completely full. You'll get it again because fans that didn't get to go to games this year will now be able to go next year, and then they'll they'll come after you. So you have to deal with this for a while. So ridiculous. There is a price to be paid. There is a price to be paid. You could have had oh. everything taken away. Although, if you're, you're a fighter in the UFC, sometimes it feels like there is not a price to be paid. Wow, I thought you I'm, completely forgot. I'm amazed that fighter Mike Perry is still around the organization. He's had so many gaffes. He's not a high-level winner. He's been caught on multiple occasions being a racist. There was an incident, what, in the last six months where he's out at a bar. We, you know, He's already got a documented uh, issue with drinking. He's hanging out at a bar, and he gets mouthy with some old dude who's like 60 years old and takes a couple of shots at him. And yet he's still around, and you were hanging around him today. What the hell well, is going on? What was it? The... the intention was not to hang around him we, you and your pal you you texted we, him you're like hey let's meet up we showed up at testing at the same time 
okay. uh, for for uh, the UFC event this week. Uh, he's competing. Steve, he is still competing, as you mentioned. He's fighting on network television this week. Oh, boy. UFC is on, uh, is on ABC. Better have the delay ready. So yeah, the simple delay machine a la Opie and Anthony. Remember that? Yes, for sure. So he is he's arriving. I see him arriving uh, as I'm pulling in. Takes the stroller out of the, out of the oh shuttle. Oh my god! I see him and his lovely girlfriend Latori walking slash over corner person. Yeah, slash his only corner person. Right. Uh, walking over toward the testing. And they're, you know, they're fidgeting with the stroller and uh, looking at the baby and talking to the baby. And I was just like, this is weird, man. <laughs> this is weird to me. I don't know why. Like, listen, everybody can be, anybody can be a parent. Like, anybody can have a kid and, and be a parent. And you, like, people aren't going to be just jerks to their kids all the time. Like, this, feels like gonna... a PSA. this feels like a PSA in making. <laughs> it could be. Anyone can be a parent. But, like, all the things you know about Mike Perry. Now, I've said this before. Um, I actually flew down to Orlando uh, to do a, a sit-down with Mike Perry, like, two years ago, three years ago, maybe it was. And, like, sitting just me and him one-on-one -on -one in a room, he was, like, open and honest and, like, really cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about him. But he is definitely, you know, he's an enigma. He's, he's, he's a bit, he's a bit volatile. I will, I will say this, that um, I do know people who did turn into, I'm not going to say better people because I'm not here to judge, although I just judged like 16 times on Dusty Baker and Mike Perry. Uh, yeah. But that kids can change people, and maybe it's something they need uh, that you know centers them. They find some new values and a new focus in life. So I hope Mike Perry gets his life straightened out. And I, I hope the, you know, like, first of all, I hope for the safety, safety and well-being of the child. Uh, but also that it straightens Mike Perry out a little bit. He was a very doting father. He he was he was worried about getting his testing over so that he could go feed the baby. The baby had been on a flight, needed some food. Um, very concerned about the child. It was just you're just laughing weird sight because it's such a weird sight. If you, if you don't know who we're talking about, like look him up. Like look up some of his videos. As Steve said, there's just a video of him punching an old man in a bar not too long ago. Uh, he has openly insisted that he's allowed to use the N word as a white man. Um, it, like it, this is the guy, and then you just see him like totally just lovey dovey and and you know doting over his child. It was amazing. The kid's like three months old. Mike Perry, molder of men or women? I think it's a daughter. I'm not 100 percent sure though. Actually, <clears throat> my you're really <laughs> this moment really it really sunk in for you. Well, the babies at that age are they're they're very much just blobs. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. I feel like Adam Hill deserves, and I've, I've said this before, you deserve some sort of feature. And uh, maybe it would have to be the Las Vegas Sun. Just a feature <laughs> on you. The sports writer, the radio star, the COVID warrior, the most tested man in the country, and yet nothing, nothing. You've had nothing so far. Sam Paniotovich is in New England and Boston for like six months. I open the Boston Globe because I read it every Sunday, uh, and I see a big feature on Sam. What's up, Sam? 
I've only been here four months, by the way. What is what is going? I just brag about your impact. Uh, you like you're in the paper right away. You got is that like a big time columnist who wrote that story about you? Yeah, Kevin Dupont's been writing here for a long time. It was funny because I got a text from a buddy who lives in Chicago, and he says, "How are you in the bleeping paper on Easter Sunday?" Like of all people, you know, they decided to pick you. Um, they have uh, they have understood the importance of the space. I think nationally, and I think they just wanted to pay respects to Nesson. Nesson's the first station in New England that put somebody in a full time job solely based around sports betting. So I think it's. It's about the leap that the station took, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, I guess. What do you think about the end of the story where the columnist said, hey, he's not real comfortable with it and you know, feels like, hey, sports gambling could be a bad thing, but it's here and really there's no stopping it? He told me that when he was writing the piece, you know, because obviously he called me. He did like a pre-interview, and then once we got the approval, he said, hey, I want to you know, ask you all these questions or whatever. But full disclosure, you know, I'm not a big fan. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this is clearly <laughs> going to be a hit piece. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to track down everybody that ever, you know, I ever did something wrong to. And they're going to talk to my second grade teacher who I got an F on a math test. And it's like, this is this is going to be bad. But, um, you know, he was upfront about it. He said that he doesn't really see eye to eye, but he also likened himself to Clint Eastwood saying, get off my lawn. So I, I think he understands that the money goes into the space and it makes the state money. Um, but I don't think he has to necessarily like that, and, and that's what he said. So I, I respect his opinion. Sam Paniotovich is with us. He's working for Nesson. He's working for FS1, and you see him uh, all over the uh, the Fox Sports family in terms of what they're putting out with sports gambling. So you just mentioned a hit piece. Is this spot on Cofield and Company going to become a hit piece where you go after Gonzaga? Give me your thoughts. Gonzaga loses and loses big. Oh uh, No, it's not a hit piece on Gonzaga. It's just for the last 15 years, guys, we've heard about how this is Mark View's best team. And that's a little hyperbolic because some teams have been better than others. But like, if they didn't win the title this year, when? When the hell is it going to happen? They were loaded. They were top five in offensive efficiency, top ten in defensive efficiency. They had three pros on the floor. They had an easy cakewalk schedule. They get to the final four with, without breaking a sweat. They even hit the half-court shot to go to the national championship game, and they still get their ass kicked when it counts. And when they have to win, they still don't even come close. So, I, you know, I guess I'm just I'm not looking forward to six months from now for us to hear that. Well, this is Mark Few's best team. Shut the hell up! It's been Mark Few's best team since Adam Morrison was there. If they didn't win it this year, I don't know that it ever happens. They're the favorite next year, and my guess is that they'll win one in the next five years, Sam. I don't think I'd take the under. I'd go under half a title if I can. Um, and yeah, maybe I mean, somebody should put a prop up there. Yeah, I mean, there doesn't have to be a price on it. I'm not going to guarantee they're going to win in the next five years, but they're the favorite next year. And we'll see who they return if they have Timmy come back. Uh, I think Suggs is definitely gone, but they're bringing in a top 15 recruit. They're probably going to land the number one player in the country in Chet Holmgren, who's more of a, a stretch four. Uh, this train's not stopping. I, I just think the bottom line in the tournament is. It's hard to win the freaking tournament. Some of the best coaches in the history of college basketball got, you know, one, two, a third title. I mean, you look back, there's a lot of guys who won just one. This is not an easy tournament to win. Certainly not. Certainly not. And you look at the math. Yeah, I was looking at Superbook. They've got Gonzaga at five to one, which just to put in the context, going into this past season, you know, once we knew we were actually going to have a college basketball season, Gonzaga was eight to one before this season. So, them being five to one already for next season is 
extremely low as far as the odds go. And then there's a pretty big gap between Gonzaga and everybody else. So Michigan is uh, number two right now. They're 12 to one. Then you've got Baylor, Duke, Ohio State, UCLA, all 16 to one. And then Florida State, Kentucky, Purdue, 20 to one. The list goes on and on. But it was a really strange season, guys. I mean, Duke and Kentucky missed the tournament. Kansas was knocked out early. North Carolina got blasted in the first round. Michigan State didn't make it out of the first four. So, you know, there were several blue blood programs that just really underachieved this year. And, and that number on Duke, like, I don't like Duke more than the next guy, but the fact that Duke didn't make the tournament and they're third in the betting right now in Vegas, that tells you there's a belief in the recruiting and the personnel. Even though Coach K didn't have a great year last year with Duke, they're still well-oiled enough and they recycled talent enough where – they're still going to get a lot of money and a lot of respect from the guys behind the counter. We we will move on, but I do want to go back to Gonzaga for one second because doesn't it change it for the fact that even two months ago, three months ago, when everybody was talking about how good this Gonzaga team is, it was, hey, this team is really good. They very well might win the title, but next year's team is better. Like This has been said all year. It's not like people are just going to say it at the start of next season. Yeah, they lose Suggs. You know, he's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, that's that's almost a lock. Um, and they lose Corey Kispert, uh, their senior shooter. But uh, by all accounts, everybody else is back. Uh, you know, they don't really lose a lot to graduation. You know, Cofield, you brought up Timmy. He's only a sophomore, so I, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to have a long NBA career if he even has one. That's probably a four year guy unless he goes all you know Tyler Hansborough at North Carolina next year, which is certainly possible. Um, but it's just. I don't know, man. Like, I, I just feel like we've, since Adam Morrison got bounced against UCLA uh, in the 06, what, Elite Eight or Final? No, it wasn't the Final Four. It was the Elite Eight. Ever since that year, I feel like we've pretty much beat around the bush that, you know, this might be Mark View's best team. And I, I don't know that next year is going to be, you know, undefeated 29-0 and going into the title game. But I just, until I see it, I just don't believe it. And I think I have every right to feel that way. You do? Um, I would also say uh, I would – I mean, this could sound ridiculous. If I were Mark Few, I would almost hope we don't go unbeaten. Like, I, the schedule better be so aggressive. Now, keep in mind, this year, they had Baylor scheduled. They beat Kansas. They beat Virginia. They beat West Virginia. They beat Iowa. What I would also like to see them do, and UNLV used to do this in the past, um, I would like to see a couple of those non-cons squeezed in in February. You know what? If yeah, if there's any time off on a Tuesday, whatever, you know, doesn't match up with the WCC schedule, I do, I do get the point of making sure that you don't have, like, 17 straight games where you're a 15-point favorite or more in, like, 15 of the 17. I do think they have to be creative in scheduling some really good contests a little later in the season. Yeah, and then we can have an entire conversation at a different day or maybe when we're sitting at a bar stool this summer or this fall. Like, when do they ever leave the West Coast Conference? Because they're the only thing keeping that conference alive in basketball. You know, people would say, well, they should join the Pac-12. Well, I don't know that the Pac-12 wants everything else. I think they want Gonzaga's men's basketball team, but they don't want anything else. You know, nothing else there in Spokane really makes money uh, on the Bulldog side of things. But I would love to see them. You know, I think they'd be, I think they'd be better prepared for the tournament if they actually played teams with a pulse. Like you said, they had a great non-conference schedule, but by the time we got to the Christmas season, they were playing Northern Arizona and Dixie State, and then they got in the conference where. They just went 15-0, and 0, and none of the games were really all that close. I mean, the closest game they played in non-con, they, they won at BYU 82-71. to 71. Everything else was like a 20 or 30 or 40-point win. So, I don't know. It just is what it is. I mean, they dominate the conference every year, and then they get to the tournament, and they fall flat. And that's exactly what happened 
this year. I don't know that you call a national runner-up falling flat, but this was supposed to be their time and their team, and literally everybody else was out of the way. North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, everybody was out of the way. If it wasn't this year, man, I don't know that it gets much easier. Uh, have you started to wrap your head around the NFL and handicapping a 17-game season? Yeah, I talked to a bookmaker over at Foxbet, and I said, look, I, I go, you know, you're going to add an extra game to every team. I go, you know, take me through the process of just what goes into, you know, spreading around those extra wins or the extra half wins. Because it's not like, you know it's a math problem, but it's got to be something tangible. So what they do, the bookmakers are going to do now, when they decide whether they're going to add no wins, a half win, or a full win, they're going to take the percentage chance that a team wins the extra game. And you look at, like, for example, the Chiefs and the Packers game. Their numbers say that the Chiefs have a 58% chance to win that game outright. So what they do is they convert that to a percentage point, and they take that 58% chance to .58, which rounds down to half a win. So if the Chiefs' win total is 12.5, boom, there's the math. They have a 58% chance to win the game. They're going to add a half win. Whereas we take Adam Hill's Buffalo Bills against the Washington football team, Bills are probably going to be about a seven or an eight point favorite, which implies 80% probability. So they round that up to a full win. So the Bills football team, I almost said Redskins there, the Bills football team match implies that the Bills are going to go up a full win with that extra game. So it all depends on who you play and where you play them, but. That's the uh, that's the math. That's how they do it. They just come to a percentage chance, and then they either round down or round up. I thought it was pretty cool. I'll take football team plus the eight there. Uh, <laughs> Masters is this week one of the more fun golf tournaments to bet on. What should we be looking at? I'm going no hole in one. I'm doing it. I can find plus 120. I- I'm taking a stand here. I-, I saw a couple books have minus 140, minus 150, that there will be a hole in one. I just – I feel like that's a little steep here. Like I, we've only had, I think we've only had like thirty or forty hole in ones in all the years of the Masters. So the numbers say it's probably, you know, more unlikely than it is likely. But I hate to be that guy rooting against a hole in one for four straight days. But I feel like I have to at plus one twenty. Sam, what's cooking with the podcast lately? Oh, we got a Masters uh, extravaganza coming out tomorrow. I talked to uh, two guys that are really good at golf, Teddy Greenstein from PointsBet and uh, James Mazzola, who's a, a golf better from California. They hit this thing every which way, you know, who to nice. bet, who, who's going to miss the cut. So we get you ready for that. I'm not a big golf handicapper. You know, there are some really good ones in Vegas, but uh, I wanted to dive in here, who to bet, who to circle, who to look at, and then some fun props too. Like some of these markets have, you know, which golfer will be the best golfer from Ireland or – which English golfer will have the best four days? You know, it's pretty cool. Like there are there are thousands of ways to bet this tournament now, and I think it's uh, it's a conversation that we all love to have when it comes to the Masters. You're a madman. We love what you're doing, Sam. We'll talk to you, buddy. I miss you guys. I'll see you. There he is, Sam Paniatovich. Now in uh, New England and Boston, just had a feature uh, written about him and sports gambling in general in the Boston Globe, and uh, yeah, he's with Nesson and also FS1. We'll continue to build on what. Sam was saying there, and I, I've heard a lot of that, and I really think it's a, it's a regional deal. And it's also college basketball is not on the top of everyone's mind throughout the year. Do yourself a favor if you're listening, and you don't have to do it. You know, if you're driving now, I don't don't jump on Wiki. Go go and look up some of the greatest coaches of the last 
50 years and see how many national titles they've won. Like, I, I'm sure people are like, you know, it sounds like I'm making this defense for Mark Few. And I'm not a Gonzaga fan at all. And I'm not a Mark Few fan. But I'm telling you, you think that everyone is winning. The great coaches have like five national titles, seven, three. This thing is freaking hard to win. Gonzaga's been in the final two of the last four years. They've been in the Sweet 16 for, what, five straight tournaments? He's doing fine. The breakthrough is coming. I don't care if it comes. I don't want it to come. All right? I find Gonzaga annoying. I find the little boy that could, the little engine that could, that whole story is stupid. All right? They're the evil empire, Gonzaga. I don't want them to win. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.